that spam stuff, I only check once in a while. Like I mentioned, I had won the, the, the LA Weekly yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. It's like, they go, we'll email you. Check spam, check spam. And like, I don't really go unless I have to. And it's like, it is weird though. It's like, looking yeah, enough, yeah, I don't yeah, think I've yeah. seen any uh, Ted Cruz emails. Yeah, it's just like, like how did. And everything is like, you know how all this stuff is going on now. This talk of impeachment with Trump. You know, everything is like, like, I don't watch Fox News. I don't yeah. listen to the conservative arm of the media. But it's like, you know, uh, the witch hunts or the, you know, we need to, you know, the, uh, what do they call it? Conspiracy from the left wing. We yeah. need to combat that, you know. Is that deep government or yeah. deep shadow, deep uh, something? Something. And yeah. it, it's just... It's just like we need to you deep know, state, deep state, big yeah. deep state, deep state. <laughs> there, there's a movie. It's just all of these things to like tell you that you know what the media is doing to right. the Trump administration is wrong, and we need to combat that. This is you know he's a, he's a good good president. He's mm-hmm. doing a lot of good things, and um, this is all much ado about nothing. Right. And it's like really, yeah, really. I mean, this is serious stuff. And then Ted Cruz is sending you Friendster updates. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, how come no one's responded to my Friendster? Yeah. <laughs> he's the only one keeping that you alive. You know he's into Friendster. You know he's he's still investing. Yeah. It's like, no, it's going to take yeah. off. This Facebook thing, Friendster is going to be the conservative version of Facebook. I can tell you, as you said that, I heard his voice. Sorry. <laughs> you know, Friendster is, you know, and it's like, I, I can see him yeah. championing something that's so obsolete and... So stupid. Does Friendster even work anymore? I don't know. That's a good question. Uh, I'm going to log into... Oh, this is post-apocalyptic. This is Rob? This is John. All right, I'm going into Friendster right now. Friendster. I don't know if anyone will remember Friendster if it does. I I remember Friendster. God, I... uh... I just remember the name. The name just sounded... It still sounds funny. It just sounded funny. I'm like, I'm not joining Friendster. I mean, what is that? Yeah, there's a Friendster Wikipedia now. That's it. Oh, Just okay. to let you know that Friendster it existed. It had existed, but now defunct. Yeah. I, I, I had it because everyone else had to. Yeah. Like, everything, anything new, because you didn't know what was going to take off. So it was just like, well, I, I better get into this. And um, Yeah, your and, friends were into it, so yeah. you thought, hey, you know. What's weird is it feels like... Um, Oh, if you go to the Friendster website, it goes, Friendster's taking a break. Oh, <laughs> how long has that been? Since 2001? Uh, 2015. Okay. So, but someone's still paying then for that URL then. If you're going to Friendster, yeah. someone's like, maybe they're trying to work on a, on a game plan. Maybe maybe they were bought, you know, like bought by Facebook or someone yeah, where, where they were like. A million dollars for some reason. They're like, we're just going to make sure that this doesn't exist. So we'll just buy you. Yeah, we'll buy it. It's funny, as you were talking about junk mail and everything, I just checked. Even though I still have about four more weeks on my job, I have sent or have received 3,759 emails. Over the course of of your uh, show? About eight months. Jeez. And those aren't even the ones I probably have deleted because, you know, sometimes I just get ones, those auto replies. I don't save auto replies. Of course. Because I'll go through because I tag everything and put it in my Gmail folder. And I was like, I wonder what I'm at. So I'm guessing with six weeks, I'll probably get to 4,000 emails. 4,000 emails. Isn't that That's crazy? ridiculous. And it's weird, though, like, as young and hip as my EP slash cast are, very few texts. I can really? probably say maybe a half a dozen from each. That's it. Hmm. And most of the time it's, hey, I'm running late. 
to ADR or something. Right. And instead of calling, they just text. So, you know, it's like, oh, that's it. It's, I feel like I've gotten more texts on other shows. This one feels like the least text-friendly. So it's mostly emails or? Mostly emails and or uh, actual calls. calls. God, when my phone rings, I'm actually startled. Yeah, you're like, uh, whoa, 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 what whoa. is this? I think if you went to my Verizon Maybe, account yeah. and looked at minutes used, it'd be at 60 a month. Wow. Like, And that's just me having to call someone. Right. <laughs> it's like, oh, I have to call someone. Uh, how do you call? Is it, is it uh, you dial the numbers and yeah. you have to talk and this is not I literally even... got a little stressed because I'm about to start the next show and we might have to do SAP, second audio. You know? Oh, really? I haven't done that. So I emailed my caption place and they were like okay we'll look into it and i was like i gotta get a quote so i called another one <laughs> and it. i literally sat there and was like oh my god i have to call should i email yeah. but i bet a faster answer if i call oh and yeah. literally stressing no I that's have to call. i know exactly what you mean because then it's like i have to talk about what the show is all the information it's like look i just need a number just give me and i know they need information but it's just like how much does it cost and just so you know uh twenty four hundred dollars oh per episode to do SAP, second audio, which is more of descriptive audio. Wow. Because to do captioning, it's for the whole season. It's If you do 24 episodes, it's, a, it's, a, it's about that. Yeah, I mean, so that's not bad. Like, our yeah. captioning was a little more because we have to do – we had a caption per version. We had up to three versions yeah. of our show, but that started going away. And we had to do as broadcast scripts. So all said and done, I think we were spending 300 Per episode, but yeah. I mean, I was getting three versions and an as broadcast script. Yeah. So, and then all of a sudden they were like twenty four hundred. I went, I don't know if that's good or bad. Like, like I per episode, you're like, oh, for the whole season, I'm spending that on captioning. Yeah. So I'm not sure if that's. I honestly I, don't I, know if that's good or bad. You know, I think on these jobs, you just go, sure. I mean, if that's what you charge, I mean, that's that's. I can't what, argue because I don't yeah. know. And, yeah. Exactly. And the last time I did descriptive audio was the Bernie Mac show ten years ago. Wow. And that was and that was a pilot program, and we only did it for two seasons. Yeah. And then they were like, "Yeah, we're we're done. We're, we're not done." It's weird because it is it's descriptive for the vision impaired. Like you can see and you can hear, but you can't see well. So they like describe it. It's a really weird. Like you have to find it. Hmm. It is one of those weird. It's not the closed caption. It's like closed captioning three. Yeah. If you get to it, and it would be like like Bernie would be like these kids, and then you hear Bernie gets up and leaves the room. Yeah. Oh. And then they would talk, talk. Wanda throws a wad of paper at Bernie. Why do I need? Yeah. <laughs> I, it's such a weird, like. Yeah, who watches that like that? Like who? I get it. It's like you have to make the market for everyone. You know, like if sure. someone who has vision impaired wants to see but can't, doesn't know, like the placement needs to be told. But then it's like, who is that crowd? Like, what does that make up? Like, is that even at, at 1%, I'd be like, I get it. We gotta gotta go for the one percent. It has to be a fraction of a percent of the people that were complaining. Like, can't see well, but I want to hear it. Like, I'm so yeah. confused. Is Bernie in the kitchen? Because it sounded like they were in the kitchen. Now I don't know where he is. Right. And, Who is complaining? And I guess it's like, what's the? This is fascinating. I just wonder what's the uh, process of learning to watch TV that way? Because. You know, I mean, what kind of experience that is for you to just hear someone talk about right. wh- what's what's going on, and then maybe that triggers into your, you know, impaired vision. Yeah. Oh, okay. Now I can 
Okay, now I see like a, a might, figure going to the yeah, kitchen. Yeah, it might clear the images up for you. Like you see the movement and it, Bernie leaves the room. Oh, yeah. I get what that image yeah. is. That person was Bernie. I, so, so, but then there's dialogue. So, is, is they, it? They would always try to work it in between. Okay. So it wasn't, they never, as Bernie was talking, talk about what he was doing. Like, so if there was a gap, they would go, Bernie exited the room after throwing the remote on the on the couch and Brianna picked up the remote. Like tried to like get it really quick. Yeah. And the the, um, the funniest part, I don't know if I told you it was really funny was Larry Wilmore, so it was the first two seasons who co- right. uh, created the Bernie Mac show. He was like, um, why is my wife on the show? Larry came to us we're like, what do you what do you mean? He's like, the other night my wife was doing voiceover for the show. We're like, what are you talking about? Like we, he Larry was, come, was saying. Larry that. came to us was like, why is my wife in the show? And this was that thing of like we felt like we missed the beginning part of a conversation. So we're like, yeah, what do you mean? Well, unbeknownst to us, because that second audio happened around us. This was something Fox was doing. We didn't. All we had to do is provide video. Yeah, go, we'll take care of everything else. Unbeknownst to anyone else, Larry's wife was hired to do the voice work, not because her relation to Larry. She was doing voice work, and that was one of the things no she way. was doing. So she was hired, did it, and then I guess Larry had his TV on. Because, you know, people don't know if you have it. It was on that closed caption you didn't think existed because sure. nothing was popping up. So he was like, why is my wife telling me where Bernie is going? Because he rec- obviously recognized his wife's voice. Well, she, but she didn't tell him, hey, I, I got I guess a they gig didn't just, for the Bernie Mac show. Yeah, it's like, oh, I did audio. Probably didn't, maybe didn't think about it because Larry was working mad hours yeah. on that show like it was that start in the morning writer's room set all day post yeah and then go home at 11 come back at 6 a.m so like yeah. i don't think he was chatting too much with the wife and but it was just so weird it's like why is my wife telling me what bernie's doing i don't know we we and that was new to us we weren't doing any part of the delivery on that it was yeah. hey make sure video gets to this place so we had technicolor like all right send video there we're done. And didn't think anything of it. And then all of a sudden, it's like, why? Oh, oh Larry, so he didn't, like, storm in and go, he wasn't, guys, why, why is my wife on this show? No, no, he wasn't mad, but he was okay. like, what is this? What, why Why is my wife on? Larry, we have no idea what you're talking about. No, she was describing what was going on. We'll look into it. We had no idea. Like, <laughs> we were just what so that baffled. And then once we figured it out, he was like, oh, that's so weird that she was, I guess she was doing it for other shows as well. Okay. Like, I guess... Her voice was soothing enough to... Sure. So she came out, oh my God, my husband's show, that's funny. And no one talked about it. So it was really... It was just a bizarre thing to get walked in. It's like, why is my wife on the show? Did you cast her? I don't know. Why are you talking to us? Why... I'm in post. Without your permission, (laughs) yeah, we decided to do this. You know, we don't hire anyone here. Yeah. You you might want to go talk to P-Talk or casting. (laughs) So... Just... You kind of get in trouble for things that are missed, and that's yeah. kind of what you yeah it you sort of uh, dread you know that yeah. whole airing where you go you get that call right after air yeah. where was his voiceover where was this and you never think about the call or the conversation of 
why is this recorded and why was this added into the show? Yeah. And you go, what? I, I didn't do that. Wait, <laughs> we're not adding anything yeah. to the show. This is not. I'm not creative on this show. <clears throat> right. Like, I'll make sure it's done, but I'm not going to add anything to it. And But I always liked it. That happened the most probably on Bernie because we were like one of the first HD shows. So some people yeah, yeah. had an HD feed, some people didn't. And then, you know, like a producer would come in and go, hey, my friend in Indiana said the colors were wrong. Okay. What do you want me to do? I they're like, why does it it, it looks weird on that on their TV? Get a new TV. I yeah. Don't, like it somehow it was like our fault. But it's like, did you watch it? Yeah, it looked good for me. Yeah, I don't control each house. Yes. Yeah, so Not you, sitting you in my office with a mixer. Of the, yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh God, Indiana's colors. <laughs> Let me mix it. <laughs> and Bernie Mac was that show. Yeah, it was one of the first HD shows. But it was that show where I just it just looked gorgeous it looked like a feature yeah and and you just that was part of i mean it was actually my favorite show on the time i was able to where i met you and yeah. i was able to work on it maybe a couple of weeks but just to work on something where i was like this is my favorite show on tv right now yeah. and it was it was show i mean it just part of part of the draw of it was the look of it yeah. you know i mean the the show was good the content mm-hmm. was good the look of it was just just incredible um and it i don't know if i've seen you could tell like care was taken into yeah. you know uh now i know post yeah. and uh you know uh camera and all that but it was uh it was something where i was like okay now this is the gold standard yeah you know and some shows have tried to to mimic it since then excuse me but it was a comedy so yeah. it was like, wow, this comedy is just like raising the game. Um, so certainly dramas now, you know, you got yeah. some beautiful cinematography, but comedies haven't really been as lush and beautiful as as the Bernie Mac show. And well, well, shout out, uh, Victor Nelly was the director, yeah, uh, yeah. the DP, and he helped set the look. And Jefferson Sage or Jeff Sage um, was set deck. He was part of the reason why there was color on the wall and textures on the wall was because when everyone got this HD camera, like we can't have white walls anymore because they look terrible. (laughs) So every wall either had a texture or a paint on it that just opened up the show. Like you could make it look like a real house now, like how people had a house because the HD picked it up in a good way. Yeah. Victor lit the show for as fast as we shot that thing. Every setup looked gorgeous yeah yeah it was a uh, impressive for especially having a new toy yeah there's an hd camera have fun for sure you know yeah usually there's that uh a learning curve in the beginning of <clears throat> trying to figure out what this is excuse me like uh mutual friend of ours you know shooting uh one of the not the first one of the first shows on uh DSLR mm-hmm. cameras. It's like just trying to figure that out, trying yeah. to figure out a workflow for that when there was no workflow. Yeah, and um, you know now it's it's completely different. But it's it's amazing how you know technology has changed since you know uh, seven, fifteen, seventeen years ago. I know yeah. when I came in to the business, um, I was a, on a pilot. I was a post PA and. It was a Warner Brothers pilot, and so back when there was a WB, yeah, and there was this new 
sort of guideline about HD, you know, how everything now, and this was like industry wide now had to be HD. We shot on 35, but, oh, okay. oh, the, you, but that was all you really did film wise and got transferred to HD. And that yeah, was yeah exactly. And, and, but it had to be HD, even though I don't think that the uh, approval had gone through at this time to from Congress to make everything. Oh, it was HD. before the big digital switch. Exactly. But they were like, we have to now protect for that because when that happens, we want to make sure that we can retroactively go back and make these shows HD. Um, it's just still in film school at the time. I didn't. It was so new, like I was dealing with film. Yeah. I didn't even know what any of this was. This was so new. And I was like, sure, HD, whatever. I don't know what. It's still like, you know, as a film student back in those days where it was like film. I hate saying back in those days. But back in those days when it was film, um, the actual aspect ratio of 35 millimeters, 185. Mm -hmm. 16 by 9 was a agreeable you know, uh, equivalent mm-hmm. to um, to uh, one eight five. They didn't want to make the TVs one eight five because they thought it would be weird. I don't know why, but you know they wanted to make it a multiple. Since TV was four by three, they figured, oh, just multiply it by four by three, and we yeah. get sixteen by nine. And then that comes out to one seven eight, one seven eight, one eight five. Uh, okay, close that's enough. close enough. <laughs> yeah, you know, me and my snobbish uh, film school. Oh, it's not, but it's not the whole aspect ratio. Yeah. It's not one, you know, one eight five. It's one seven eight. So it's not cinematic it's crap. You yeah, know? you know, I've since changed my tune on that. <laughs> but it's 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 just amazing how things have changed and things have gotten smaller you know mm-hmm. you used to be where you know, oh show shooting hd oh it's crazy you know hd they have actual cameras that can do that now you know the only cameras that can do it at first were like like the genesis cameras and the cameras that like you know tim burton would use yeah. or like high profile you know show uh, movies or even tv shows would use it's going off on a tangent but i remember that we wanted to shoot one one show in like super 35 okay and they're like oh no we can't do it because ron howard has the super 35 camera look there's no other yeah there's only a few cameras it's hollywood right (laughs) exactly (laughs) like yeah and he has it so we can't shoot you move to hollywood and it's like a big library i want a camera oh it's checked out yeah exactly i'm like what do you mean he has a he has a camera and he's shooting his movie at that point we're just trying to see if we can borrow it, but he's in Chicago, and so it's not going to be. I'm like, what? What is this? And then finally, they got more cameras. You they know, built more. <laughs> exactly. And it was like that with the. Now everyone shoots on the Ari Alexa mm-hmm. camera, but in the very beginning, when the Alexas first came out, of course, all the DPs wanted to shoot with it. Yeah. There was this big during pilot season. I remember there was this big rush to get the alexa camera because it was only so many and so they're like we gotta shoot on the alexa if we don't start on the alexa we can't continue on the alexa so um you know they were just trying to like get pilots greenlit early so they can get the camera packages reserved so they can you know shoot on the alexa because there was only so many now you know it, again it's different and then everyone just watches it on pics and it's like exactly oh, great exactly yeah. sure yeah well it was when i was about to start grace and frankie it was season two and 
they were trying to get us to use the red dragon. Mm-hmm. And they're like, well, we can get you two. They're both, they're operational enough to work. It's like, yeah, I don't want to hear that. I want cameras that were like, well, we can, we can secure it because the DP, of course. Oh, the, Red has a new camera. It's the Dragon. Always the, <laughs> it's, it's, it's 8K, and it'll shoot. It'll give me the color space I need. All right, whatever. It's always about yeah. the color space. Yeah. But it was like, we have two, and but there'll be software updates as we go. Yeah, that can't be good. And at the time, the post house is like, well, we have a, a workaround to make those cameras work, but we don't have a flow because they're still in like a – they're not in a consumer. Like, like they just have them. They're almost prototype. Yeah, and it's like why are we shooting a prototype for a TV show? Then they ended up scrapping that, and we went to a Canon camera or something like that. It was just like we literally had to tell the DP, "Look, we know you want to play with your toy, but there's two. So if we need a third camera day, you don't get one. If one breaks, we have one camera because they didn't know when they were going to have more. Right. And then it was like, oh, I guess you're right. And it's like, dude, I'm sorry you can't <laughs> play with your new toy, so he can yeah. be in a magazine, you know, the right. DP magazine. Oh, I shot Grace and Frankie on 8K. It's great. Sure. Yeah. yeah. It's 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 definitely like, you know, an, uh, a, a kid's attachment to a toy. Yeah. You know, and you see that they're so crestfallen when it's like, I'm sorry, we're not going to make this work. Yeah. You know, and granted, the producers do everything they can to make it work for the yeah. DP. And, and they do. And the DPs wield a lot of power. have... A lot of love for you know DPS because they can make your life oh yeah so much easier and so much better and you know I just think it's talking about toys I just think it's fascinating how many toys just ever since film school just to know that there if you want to basically do anything there's a toy for that there's yeah. an expensive toy yeah 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 I know that a lot of DPS like to shoot I know the budgets have shrunk. Mm-hmm. Uh, since recession, but um, before that, you know, uh, and probably today too, they like to shoot commercials because um, I guess they could sort of convince yeah. the vendor that, oh, here's what we need to do. You want your thing to yeah. stand out? They got this new thing. We need to your do Pizza Hut pizza is going to look amazing yeah. <laughs> in Red Dragon. 8K. Exactly. So they they get to test out the new stuff in the commercials because. You know, if you want to go pound for pound, the commercials will pay more, you know, than movies or they'll pay more than TV because, uh, you know, you're dealing with a corporate uh, large. I'm talking about big corporate budgets. So that's where they get to, you know, get their feet wet. You know, they're sort of the the sort of the wrappers to the is the new luxury car, yeah. you know, industry where, you know, they get, you know, people who are go, sure, I'll spend my, you know, my one hit wonder money on a, a yeah. new, a new car and yeah. test it out and let you know how I, what I think about it. And then they'll get the bugs out and then like the rich guys go, okay, well, the yeah. price, price, when the price gets lower, then I'll buy it. Yeah. You know, it's a good car now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> let that uh, idiot figure yeah, it out. Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, I mean Bernie Mac. Back to that Bernie Mac. The the Victor Nelly, What he did with with that show, set deck did with yeah. that show. It's it's definitely a testament. I'm glad you said that because definitely a testament to like the crew working together. Yeah. Like I know on even my student film, what I wanted to do was have the DP, the uh, production designer, and the costume designer 
to all talk. Yeah. I'll talk about color palette and I'll talk about how things are going to work because you get on the set and if you're not in sync with, if the departments aren't in sync with others, each other are doing texture and color wise, it could really go wrong. And you and I see it all the time in these professional productions and you're like, who told her to wear stripes? So who, yeah. who, you know, and you get it and you know, there's meringue and there's all these there's all this stuff. There's banding. There's yeah. there's things that sometimes basic, sometimes not. But sometimes you think that if there were just a conversation about, you know, these are the things that you don't do or these things you shouldn't do. These are the things you, sh- you shouldn't put this person in that costume against that backdrop with that lighting. You know, it, yeah. it all comes together. It's a true art. You look at TV, you look at movies, and you just think, oh, okay, just somebody just stuck a person there yeah. and shot, and that's it. But, yeah. you know, um, the stuff that really stands out, the stuff that's really beautiful and a testament to Bernie Mac is that those departments talked and yeah. figured out, okay, this is what's best for the show. This works well for the story and everything, so... You know, shout out to to, to Victor, who's yeah. a big time director. Yeah, now. big time director. And yeah, the only show I think has come close that I've been the most impressed with is Have you seen Legion yet? I haven't, but I've heard nothing but great things about it's, it. I, as a show goes, it's a good show. <clears throat> like it's interesting and yeah. vaguely superhero-y. The costumes, the set, <clears throat> the look, everything. It's the most aesthetically pleasing show I've seen in a long time. Wow. Like there's shows where you see and you're like, wow, that's really good. Like even if you're watching a period piece or something it's like oh watch the crown or you know down now yeah, they all look correct yeah you know i think i sure. don't know it wasn't there yeah, yeah but this was like the costumes were like they had jumpsuits that didn't look like jumpsuits you could buy but just slightly different which was nice and the color palette they did it was just like wow you guys and they flashed back and forth in time and everything had a look and it's like wow someone someone had meetings yeah. like you look at that show going i don't want to do that show Right. That, I bet that's a lot of work. I bet there's you're just doing meetings every day. Absolutely. I have to I have to check that one out, but it's definitely something that you can look at and go, Yeah, someone took some time with this. Uh yeah, I saw a movie last night where their finest, which is um period piece. Which one's that? It's it's about uh it's script writers, female script writer mm-hmm. and um in the 40s okay um i hadn't heard about it before i'd seen it float around in my emails yeah it it, it's it's good i mean great great actors um Mm -hmm. but the whole time i was looking at the uh i was looking at um the costumes and thinking Mm -hmm. i think sure like i like i don't know it, but it looks right it's like we've grown up with so many of these movies of a certain time so in my that looks right yeah it could be wrong we have well we do know we have historical photos and stuff like that but it's like you look at it just like you see you get so used to an aesthetic you're like looks right looks frilly right you know it looks like 12 layers of clothing right exactly and and, a bowler hat on totally and you think about like looking at like london you know and Mm -hmm. and you you know i mean it's a british cast but it's like there's one american in it but i don't want to give anything away but there's uh you know, there's like I'm just looking at the sets and everything. I'm like, I don't know, I'm in London, but I certainly don't don't know London 1940s. But it does look like and feel like of that 
time of that mm. period. It did take me somewhere. Yeah. Um, and you can't help with the, the British accents. They just sort of add this thing where you go, sure, I no. believe anything you say. Hey, this is the best acting yeah. ever. <laughs> and you know there's people in England who go, that's crap. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. So I'm just thinking about like, sure, I'm uh, I'm there, you know, but I don't know if it's accurate. Yeah. Um, and, and I thought it was was good but you know i mean as far as i know like that could be what's already there now and they just stuck a camera there and shot yeah that's the i mean the one good thing is if you're going to shoot period in london everything kind of looks this or not london proper but like in that surrounding there's so many classic old buildings that are still standing it's like oh we don't even have to build sets just take down certain signs yeah like all right there wasn't a starbucks so we'll cover that over but you don't have to build as much anymore it feels like especially there we're gonna shoot a period piece great use that street yeah like their whole country is a back lot really for period pieces no definitely um yeah exactly it's like <laughs> this is kind of what it stayed what it was i just know I, just, I have to watch legion but i know um i mean overall it's like i don't know there are episodes that are fantastic as yeah. a whole it was really good there's a couple it's just aesthetic like watch it it's almost like a film school thing kids should watch that just so to see what to do like yeah. you know it's i don't even know if is it shot well? Probably. Look good to me. But just for set deck and color and changing how you feel about a scene due to just a slight color change, you know? And it's like they used all the tricks in the book to get it done. Yeah. And you're just like, wow, well done. I should look it up just to see who the DP is. Probably some first guy. Probably. <laughs> Be all angry. Former camera assistant. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but but I know Mad, Mad Men was, was not definitely a period piece you know Mm -hmm. it wasn't like you know uh game of thrones but Mm -hmm. it 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 still was like you can tell that there was a um an effort there to make sure that these costumes were right to make sure the set design was right and i know that um the creator ep matt weiner you know he he researched and he actually talked to those guys and said this is what i want and i think there was a whole show and tell and right he really lorded over that uh, part of it so that you can tell that you know some some real care was taken into it mm-hmm. um, and i think that that's what it takes and that might be what's going on with you know legion yeah. you know it's not like like you have your department heads mm-hmm. who are you know really some really brilliant people out there you know, I think if it's really, really good, it just comes from the top. You know, it just doesn't go. Okay, I'm going to select these people and go. And it's like good luck, everyone. Yeah, you know, thing. Well, the DP one of they had two, a former camera operator. No, like okay. <laughs> Empire State, one of the hate watches, cameraman on a lot of things. Actually, he's older, gone back to '86. Hmm. Pumpkin Head, first camera system on Pumpkin Head. Okay, yeah. okay, so, that that gives him some street yeah, cred yeah. right there. Fargo, Legion, Longmire. Is that Fargo the the uh, TV series? TV show. I was about to mention Fargo too. Uh, Southland. Uh, Tales. Oh no! Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I wish. Pretty Little Liars. So you know he's got. An and ass- these were camera. He was a camera op on that. Or no, no. He, he this was the DP on Legion and Southland and Pretty Little Liars and Fargo. He was a camera assist actually on Twilight. Oh, 1998 Twilight. Okay. So I don't remember what that is. Fargo's uh, really, really good too. That that one has a really good visual look as well. He was second assistant camera operator, second unit on the Aviator. So he got to at least see some. Uh, he, he, you know, I mean, even that though is 
sometimes it's like Michael Bauhaus is like second unit, and you, there's some like ace um, DPs who are like on the Scorsese film who would be like second unit, and you yeah. know, really, like mm-hmm. that guy has done some of the most uh, iconic films in history. Like why? Mm-hmm. Why is he doing second unit for Scorsese? I yeah, just, I guess like, hey, do you need one second? <clears throat> sure. You want to be a PA? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> and I say Michael, I don't know. If yeah. it, I'm not saying him, but just like some like superstar. Yeah. DPs sometimes do second unit and you go. Uh, yeah. I, the other uh, cinematographer, DP, did Zoo. Really? Which way? Uh, uh, Craig Warbliski. His isn't as, as extensive. Like he's done a lot, but not a lot of things where it's like, oh, I see where his eye came from. Yeah. So. But I mean, so that, I mean, that's just a combination of, I mean, once again, it could be top down. It's Brian Singer. It's the guy that does Fargo. So there's a lot of people yeah. working on Legion for a look. And you have a comic book too, to sort of base some things on too. It's like, oh, we kind of like that idea from this. We like an idea from that and we'll, we'll merge them together. Um, well, speaking of that pilot update, we had the upfronts. We had the upfronts. How did you do, John? Uh, we did not do. <laughs> oh, um, yeah, we didn't get picked up. I mean, they're still maybe shopping it around. I don't know. I mean, yeah, I'm putting air I'm quotes. I'm putting air quotes, shopping it around. Yeah, it's like every pilot you yeah. do, they they shop it around. But it's just, I think there's a, a 0.2% chance of that getting a bite. Not yeah. happening, but just getting a bite, getting someone interested in yeah. it. Yeah. One of those things where you go, all right, no, that's, that's not happening. So you just move on. Yeah. Um, you know, it could get picked up somewhere you yeah. know i think it, it, it's it's good enough to do that but it was for the abc mm-hmm. and let me just say <laughs> there's a show <laughs> that is coming back and so i'm picking up a show yeah. a show that's coming back from another network that's landing on nbc that was the reason why more things didn't get picked up um. and so that one is you know the show that i guess won't die now is american idol so American Idol got picked up by ABC, so now they picked up less comedies. They picked up, you know. Well, yeah, because they can milk they, four yeah. hours. Yeah, it depends. If it hits big, it's going to be four hours a week. It is two and it's hours, two nights. Like the, yeah. yeah, like you have the prep, or you have like the auditions, the singing, yeah. audition, singing. Then it'll be singing results, singing yeah. results, and so it's you know with that, it's, it was great for. Not that it's not going to be great for ABC because now they'll be the network of Dancing with the Stars and American Idol, you know, and then they'll so, just, it's weird. and Shondaland, and then that'll be it. It's funny because now they've become Fox. Yeah, ABC is Fox because there for a while that's what was on Fox. You had you know American Idol, and then there was another reality. So literally, it was like three nights a week. Right, were just logged in with reality. Yeah, and and I think it was that like. American Idol was like the biggest show on TV, and it was on Fox. And so Fox doesn't have that many affiliates. It definitely not as many affiliates comparatively to ABC, uh, NBC, and CBS. So for for American Idol to be number one in smaller markets, it was a smaller amount of markets. It was impressive. Yeah. I don't know how it's going to do on uh, ABC. We'll see. You know, because now you have The Voice, which took over. Yeah. Um, I don't want to make this about reality uh, competition shows. Yeah. I think that American Idol, you're right. I mean, see, they hit on 24, American Idol, and 
maybe maybe one other thing yeah. and that was enough obviously with american idol but yeah. that was enough to sort of propel fox into you know another sphere then yeah. you had like house yeah so it was one thing it's like we just need some hits yeah. you know um it was bones 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 uh done and david boreanaz already got another show his pilot got picked up that dude's gotten four jobs over 20 years wow <laughs> jeez Okay, go, that, go that, was that was boring. That was boring. Yeah, it was his, his new well his his new bike that he bought because he just but he's only driving it today. Exactly, he's gonna uh, just let it go. I don't yeah. need this one. Exactly. But uh, side American Idol story is when we were doing Bernie Mac on Fox, they moved us to Wednesday. Yeah, and we followed the results show, but then Fox was mad at us for not holding the American Idol audience as the results, and it's like, you know, we're not the same show yeah so they were punished they didn't punish us but they were mad at us for not holding american idol ratings and it's like but american idols for tweens yeah we're an african-american comedy we're not the same we're not even in the remotely the same genre at all we're not even like if it went into a teen show yeah get it like and then we fall off god you guys aren't holding the audience you're not holding that singer tween audience and it's like sorry but with them, then they were mad at us. All right, we don't know what to do, you know. Then they moved us again, and then, but although we got five seasons out of it, so screw them. No, no, absolutely. But I love that we got we got punished because we weren't doing as well as American Idol. I mean, but American, but just think and but about that, that. And but that that was also year three of American Idol, so it's not even like holding two year ago American Idol. This was. This was the night. That was when everyone was watching. When it was like suddenly get that get that critical mass where everyone was like, okay, this is this is what you should be watching. Yeah, everybody's t- it's like water air quotes water cooler talk. Yeah, you know where it was appointment television, and then you go, oh, there's Bernie. Oh, okay. Yeah, they I were pulling guess... in a nineteen share, yeah. and we had a five. Yeah, and they're like, why aren't you holding it? It's American. I. It's like they didn't. These are smart people for the most part didn't understand that we were two different things yeah like if you had another show in front of us that was close and that had 19 we were five we're a problem show but they're two different things so this is a like a juggernaut this yeah. thing is like crazy yeah. you understand i mean this is to try to it's imagine like a five now yeah Five now, you're like it's four seasons. It would just pick you yeah, up for four it, seasons. Exactly. Like, There's going to be a four season pickup. Exactly. And- <laughs> you know, now 1.2, they go, not bad. Congratulations. Yeah. They send you a basket. You yeah. Know? Five, they go, oh, it's crazy off the charts. Did I, I don't know if maybe I mentioned on the last one, uh, someone tweeted during the upfronts was, it goes, this is where networks reward their 0.9 shows and punish their 0.8 shows. <laughs> and I was like, that's really, if you had a 0.9, you got a new season. If you had a 0.8, your show was canceled. Right. <laughs> which I thought was hilarious. Like, that is literally the market we live in now. And it was a weird upfront, if anyone even remotely followed it. It was shows got cut. Like, it was a very much a very, if you weren't Fox for Fox, ABC for ABC, or in any iteration, you got canceled. Season three shows got canceled. The season yeah. six show got canceled, all with okay ratings. A lot of season one shows, but that happens. But. It felt a kind of like a brutal, brutal slashing of everyone. Um, but a lot of shows no. got picked up too. So, yeah, I, not John's. Sorry, no, no. <laughs> but I mean, I've been uh, I've been in that that space too, where I've been I've done two pilots. They both got picked up, and I was doing a 
a series and that got renewed. So, you know, there's been that sort of embarrassment of riches as well. Mm-hmm. Um, more pilots that didn't get picked up than, than did, but that's the nature of it. Most pilots that get made do not get picked up. Yeah. You know, um, there are a couple of uh, pilots in a, our on our floor. Mm-hmm. It didn't seem to, I won't say they didn't work as didn't work as long as ours as okay. we did both got picked up oh so it's just like wait you guys got rewarded exactly you got punished you know so it was one of those things where you're like you ask the question do you think it's going to get picked up and you go i i don't i don't know i don't yeah. know what they want yeah i don't know who who knows i mean for whatever reasons and we were talking about there's some really good pilots that just did get picked up for whatever reason um, it's not about usually how good it is. Yeah. It's about a lot of things, a lot well, of different factors. And that's always been the case, but even more so now you really don't know. Because I like think you mentioned last week was that you tested well and you had yeah. positive feedback. So Oh, very positive. And then normally that would be something. Like if you test well and you have a cast with one name, you had a pretty good shot. Like, I mean, you had the same shot as everyone else. But then if you didn't get picked up, then it was definitely like a politics. It was like, well we can make something we can make this other show cheaper and we can do something you know maybe do something else but now it's like hey we tested well came under budget we did everything nope oh all right it wasn't even politics it's like no american idol <laughs> yeah ex- exactly american <laughs> and that's the thing it's like american idol i mean I, I remember doing a nickelodeon pilot and um it sort of it sort of was one of those things where you're like what do you guys need Mm-hmm. And you know, this pilot was uh, it's called Everyday Kid, okay. and it was uh, Steve Tompkins was the oh, uh, yeah. the uh, creator, mm-hmm. and he basically was like, they need this is this is I don't know if iCarly Stone or whatever that is, but uh, this was around the time where yeah. that was the the show, the show on Nickelodeon, and so you know, female protagonist. They said, let's have a, a show with. For boys, for our young, our, like teenage boys. Boys like shows? Exactly. <laughs> so he's like, great, I'll do that. So he made this show that was completely tailored for kids. It was uh, a boys. It, it was like this kid got these powers, and every day he would have a different superpower. And okay. so he was in school, and so it would sort of um, inform how he navigated the um, sort of speaking about it as if it were something yeah (laughs) how he navigated the landscape of the no internal struggle exactly yeah you know it was like one day he had like a uh like a say the rock's arm yeah you know the next day he could be able to shoot lasers that's not what happened but like you know eventually as eventually happened you know his friends you know react to that you Mm -hmm. know um and how does how does he get the girl you know that type of thing which I thought was a you know been a cute show for yeah. for for kids, and I thought it went well as kids shows go. Yeah, and um, you know we turned it in, and you know that whole waiting game of whether it gets picked up, and, and uh, you wait and you wait and you wait and you wait, and I finally asked uh, our friend uh, who I worked with on it. I was like, what? happened like i don't did we get picked up or yeah. what it's like june <laughs> and, 
And he's like, oh, oh, because I don't know if we were going back, but he's like, oh, no, uh, the head of network saw it and said, oh, why can't we just do another iCarly? Like another type. Like, <laughs> just like, but this is what you asked right. for. Just do iBilly. Done. Right, exactly. Uh, all right, great. Sure. And it's one of those things where you're like, she's the head of the network. And that's what ultimately the say is. Yeah. And for whatever reason, that's what she wanted. And it's that's that's it. That's yeah. the final say. So, so they um, do another iCarly, do you know? Was there another I, I don't I'm sure they someone did something. Yeah, exactly. But it's 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 no Nickelodeon's still around, so yeah. I'm sure they did something. You know, I don't think it was anything bad or a knock on the show. Yeah. Uh but it was just that's not the direction that she wanted to take the network right. at that moment. ABC, I know, has great success with Dancing with the Stars. Yeah. The production budget, not nearly what it is to, to produce a scripted series. Right, you have so, one set. Right, so the return on that is incredible. And so if you can do the same thing, again, American Idol, through the best of those competition shows, very it's it's expensive especially for the licensing now very expensive show but the return on that like if you i don't know if you're going to see 19 shares again yeah but um it could be you know taking a gamble but it could be you know exponential for them well yeah it's, it's a new network that they're going to hopefully put their spin on it yeah and most of your money is going to be spent on license and talent so yeah. you'll give ryan seacrest Ten million dollars again. That's it. But you'll have one stage. Yeah, that's it. You get all your, all the people that are competing that making them money get no money. So it's like you get Jim from Florida singing. You're not paying Jim, right? You don't pay Jim until unless he wins, and then give him a contract, and then he'll disappear in two years. Exactly. In your crew to go out and find these people and audition yeah. and stuff like that. It's just beginning to come into focus because you, know, you have Ryan Seacrest that's now doing the. Um, Kelly show. Kelly show. I was about to say Regis, but Regis was like two hosts ago. Um, I know you're like, well, you know, when Regis was yeah. doing it, oh yeah, 15 years <laughs> yeah, ago. Yeah, exactly. So Ryan's doing that show, right? So that they're building a studio in that on that floor in New York mm-hmm. so he can do the L.A. radio show after that show. Right. Then he he can do American Idol. Right. Then he has like five other jobs. I mean, did he sign a contract with Hollywood that he has to have all the jobs? I mean, I think he's the reason for like unemployment. Him and Chris Hardwick. And Hardwick two, too. Both the, of them. Between those two, They're that's 25 competing. shows. Yeah. Exactly. That, those are shows 20 other people aren't hosting right now. Yeah. The American Idol, like, I'm surprised ABC decided that was the route they wanted to go. I mean, I get it. It was a hit. And. I don't even know how they ended up. Was it an ever an ABC property, or did they just buy it from Fox? I don't know. Because it seems weird that Fox would even give it up unless it was a co-production. I was like ABC for Fox, but it was always a Fox thing. So I don't really know. That's just a weird, like, I don't know the mechanics of that. Some I don't know if they bought the rights to it, but then why did they like just create their own? Fremantle and... But I don't know if it was 20th Century Fox. So then it just seems, why didn't they just try to do their own music show? Like, it just seems weird because NBC did The Voice. If you're going that route, yeah, I get it. It's name recognition, but just have your own. Like, yeah. American Idol, I feel like people are just like, oh, is that still on? Like, people are, are going to forget that it was on Fox. It's going to come back. Right. Ugh, another season. Ugh. 
And then they're going to, where is it again? No, it's on ABC. And you're right. And it's like The Voice, NBC did The Voice. And, you know, much like my brilliant call about Britney Spears, oh, The Voice will never do anything. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's like a one-hit wonder. Yeah. So basically bet against whatever John yeah. says <laughs> is if you want to make money, just bet whatever John. Exactly. I just go back. I just remember being at USC, going, like, watching that Baby One More Time video and go. Eh, you know, catchy, but one because it, because it, it's one of those things where it was definitely Saturated MTV, and, yeah, and MTV trying to yeah. like push yeah. this person on, like, hey, here's a new video, and I'm like, why are they pushing this person? This is like one of their. I didn't even know about the Mickey Mouse or whatever. Yeah. They, just them trying to push this on, you know, and they've done it before. Yeah, and I was like, uh, this is this. You show. had enough examples to make yeah. an educated decision about it, and exactly. you're just like. Pfft. Give it a year. Exactly. So she'll end up, you know, with, with the rest of them. And then she's blew up. And cut to my uh, assistant editors in Vegas this weekend seeing the Britney show. Yeah. So <laughs> I don't know uh, how that uh, says anything. Right. So Exactly. So, um... <laughs> Just John. I can picture John all pretentious in film school. Oh, uh, that's what Brittany. I was. I was like, no. I remember telling my roommate at the time, <laughs> never one hit wonder, trust me, trust me. And he'll be like, Yep, I agree with you. Total wrong. I will bet everything I own on this one. (laughs) Totally wrong. In the voice, too. I was like, American Idol ripoff. I know they're trying. They're trying. I'll give them points for trying to, like, have this talent, you know, in these chairs. And they spin around. And they have their own little spin on it. But it's not American Idol. That was my. That was the only thing I gave. I actually thought American Idol or uh, The Voice would last maybe a season. I like the only thing I liked about it was they picked people literally based on their voice. I was yeah. like, that's pretty good. But granted, you're always going to get the good-looking people that are coming sure. through. So you're not literally going to get these people. It's like ooh, not yeah. like Susan Boyle or whatever. Yeah. Like where it's like, oh, well, she had a great voice despite not looking what she should look like or whatever so when the voice was like no no we're it's like sort of blind we're gonna hear and i was like oh that's kind of interesting yeah i watched half of one and went great and now here we are in voice season nine ten fourteen whatever it's, it yeah is. it is always weird it's like we're on season 20 oh right yeah yeah, year, yeah yeah right? you think what how is what and i know they have to label them a certain way but giving them a season seems different like, if you had 20 seasons of, well, you did have 20 seasons of MASH, but that would be 20 years yeah. or whatever, where it's like 20 seasons, like, um, I think American Idol did 15 seasons, although they did one a year, though. But I think uh, The Voice is that weird two a year. Yeah. So, um, well, the, well, the American Idol would come would start in January. Right. And go until May. So it didn't, like, it could have gone two seasons, but it's, it is, I'm telling you, it's such a big undertaking that they start the auditions in august right and it takes so much time to get to where they you know do that what round of 24 or whatever so it takes it takes it takes a while to do that um and to produce that show uh i thought it was well well done yeah it's just what you're saying is like oh american Idol is that still on even if you say oh no but it's on abc now you go Oh, but it's, I mean, it's still American Idol. Yeah, wasn't it, wasn't it always on ABC? Yeah. Like, you don't know. It's still, it's American. It's just a singing show. Yeah. And, and now we have, from when you talked about Bernie Mac coming out of American Idol in season three of American Idol. Yeah. Um, back then, you didn't have as many uh, choices for entertainment as you do now. Yeah. So, just like there will never be another Michael Jackson 
um, where you just like, well, Corey Feldman. I, I misspoke. Yeah. We would never have another Corey Feldman. <laughs> inspired by yeah. um, inside joke. Um, I just think that, like, at the time, <laughs> going to go for uh, you know, uh, the poor man's Corey Feldman, Michael Jackson. Um, if you want, if you want, if you want to. Uh, um, you just look back in history and you go, wow, he was so huge. He was so, like, there was nothing. Like, his videos would uh, debut on network television. Yeah. You know, I mean, everyone's waiting for those, like, right. videos. Everybody's now YouTube. Yeah. YouTube, you can go to the video. That's where it is. It'll be on YouTube. Yeah. And you can watch it as many times as you want. Click on it. There's not going to be any. But in two days, someone yeah. else is going to exactly. have a video and that you exactly. might be looking for. And... And, and Or you could watch, you know somebody unbox a phone yeah. you know you, you you can watch anything sadly you want. i've done both yeah so <laughs> exactly me too yeah. many times i even showed people and an phone. phone exactly <laughs> <laughs> and if anybody wants to watch the most amazing unboxing of a phone john's phone just go to youtube yeah. uh, right, hold on unboxing on the pop network just is that is that a thing okay no i'm saying we should do unboxing on pop you know you know half hour you you get you know you'll get people to watch Corey to host it he wrote he rolls out on his hoverboard and then just goes all right first unboxing and they just unbox stuff but he but he does it in like his and michael jackson inspired garb and and everything it's two unboxings per episode so you know it's like hey the nintendo switch unboxing you get someone charismatic up there yeah, Corey's do we just do we have does he have do we have like dancing interstitials too like with the angels? Yeah, exactly. The angels are. <laughs> How is this not a show? How is unboxing on Hollywood? Pop? Yeah. I mean, you should contract us now because. Uh, <laughs> oh, that's awesome! You know, um, you had that one for free, but the rest yeah, that of- one's for free. Uh, so American, uh, the Voice started in 2011, and they're on um, season 12. Wait, so which which the Voice. So it started 12. six years ago, so it's two a year. Is it? Do we need? But does the it voice? really culminate like within a, a December? Is that? I think what it is, it's like it's the way it lines up. Because I, I think the new season started March, February or March, and then the next one, so it'll be March to. They're at the eliminations now, so my guess is. May sweeps is the finale or June first. Then the next okay. one is the fall. So they do basically it's almost mid season and fall are their their two things. So they get two a year. Yeah. So and they just call them seasons. And then each season has a different different like uh, judges. Is that right or no? Sometimes right? yes, sometimes no. They generally okay. uh, sometimes they'll like one person will switch out or they'll have different uh, coaches. That's okay. kind of like their big thing. I okay. think you always have. I think. I think it's always like Adam, Blake, and Gwen, okay. and then it rotates. I know Alicia Keys had done it on and off, and then they—that's been like sort of. It almost seems like, like that's Shakira, a Kira Pharrell. Yeah, like there's like floater ones. Yeah. I guess when you do a certain season, like look, I can't do it. Great, we'll, yeah, yeah, yeah. we'll bring in Pharrell. Right. So I don't think it's. I don't think they have fall judges and mid-season judges. I think it's. Oh, so it's, it's those like those three staples: Blake, Adam, and Gwen, and then like. Like a, a floater, a floater guy, because like whoever. these people can't commit to all that. So it's like you know, yeah, it's like you know, some of these people are uh, busy. I guess yeah. I don't know. I, it's just yeah, 
like with you, I think I probably did the Britney thing. The voice, pff, not going to last. Right. But I'm glad I didn't turn it down, like as a job. <laughs> I'm not working on that. Because you know there's those, there's always that person's like, ER, so stupid. I'm not going to work on that 12 seasons later. Oh, right. Could have had a job. And no one person <laughs> that you're going to pick. But so for the other two judges okay. of American Idol. Okay. This is your... Yeah, who's it, who are the judges on American Idol? Are we getting the same ones, or I, we're not okay. in this scenario? Okay, um, I think one of them is coming back. I'm not gonna say who is, but you have carte blanche. Okay, you have you have three. I, I know you got to reserve one for Mr. Feldman, but, of course. I mean, uh, singing legend, <laughs> exactly. singing and dancing legend, I mean, Corey Feldman. See, the thing is, if Corey is on, yeah, Rick, I'm watching ABC's American Idol. Yeah, I'm watching because there's no way. You know how, I don't know if you know, but like in American Idol, like during the finale, sometimes mm-hmm. the judges, one of the judges would get up and do something. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Of course. It's Corey, usually when it's when yeah. they want to premiere their new song. Right. So it's, yeah. Of course, Corey would do it then. But you know, he wouldn't be able to refrain from every single show doing something. Yeah. Doing like a little dance. Or in the uh, auditions, maybe going, no, this is how you have to do Or maybe he would accompany yeah, offer to he always to, offers. Yeah, hey, let me accompany you. And right. the time it's like, who are you? Because these kids, no like, one knows. These kids are like eighteen and yeah, twenty. Exactly. They have no idea who he is. Yeah, exactly. And he gets just to watch his reaction to people who don't know who he is. And he getting voices. I don't know. You're yeah. just it's a little flat. Like, who are you? Yeah. <laughs> Even though I don't know if he does music or is in any band or anything, but do you think Shia would? be a, a like a maybe a coach maybe like a it's like a guest <laughs> he's just a voice code for no re- look whatever you're doing is great yeah he's just it's like he's just positive exactly you, you need you need a yeah you know, gunshot wound. yeah exactly. why that'll get your inspiration some just pulls out edge, a gun some edge yeah do exactly. it <laughs> do it uh there was i actually saw speaking of shia I guess he was at some museum dancing on his own, not part of an exhibit. Oh, this is not. No, this was not part of anything. He was at some thing and there was music playing and there's like video of him just dancing. (laughs) I wonder what his mental state. I mean, he just just does whatever he wants. Yeah. And I like that. Why why not, though? He's got he's made enough. I think he's been smart enough to save some of his cash. Yeah. So it's like, all right, I'm just going to do an art project because I still think he's in demand. He's not. He's not a risk, per se. It's not like the back in the day when John Favreau, I think we mentioned, fought for Robert Downey Jr. and they had to get this big insurance policy because of this drug history. And Shia's had issues, but I don't think he's, I don't think he's like a high risk. I don't think it's a high risk. He's, he always shows up. He works. So it's not, he doesn't have like a flight risk mm-hmm. of, oh, he's not going to show up. I think he'll show up, and that's probably, probably the biggest issue. He's here all the time. He won't leave. <laughs> he's not even in the scene today. Right. <laughs> Just in the back Pops dancing, <laughs> wow. but um, yeah, I think he's has enough where it's just like, look, I'll do in between. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that you know he's. I have to say, he's probably just using his celebrity and his youth mm-hmm. in a way where you know he can manipulate it, and he yeah. knows that you know he's not going to look. If he looks back on this time, he's like, well, I should have, should not have fought strangers or fought everybody but he can look back and go you know what i kind of wanted to do this i kind of wanted to do that and i did it 
Yeah. I did this art project because yeah. I thought it was interesting. Yeah. And I doubt he turned down some big role for it. It was just probably like I'm doing an art installation. Yeah. You know, it's like I'm going to dance. There's people who are like, well, this is putting your name out there. This, yeah. this is putting publicity on him. So yeah. it's good. good Better for that than him beating someone That's up true. at a bar. It's like he's living in a cabin. Well, he's not going to fight anyone. He's my, most likely not going to drink. So for the good of mankind like you should support this art project because he's not out fighting people in the look we're saving humanity yeah, exactly. you know you should okay so you have you're working on your project right now i'm assuming actively working on uh your mm -hmm. your thing yeah you should reach out to see if you could get shia to do it even i bet he would do it for free like start hitting him up on twitter i think he has a twitter probably not a bad idea why not i mean you're smart and i'm sure your project's going to be really good why not? It's not like we're trying to do it as a joke. Like, yeah. it's not like trying to get Feldman in our podcast. Right. I would have to delete a lot of our podcasts. Right. So, like, we've never disparaged him so much. No. We're more in fascinating. We are fascinated. It's, it's South End Tales. Yeah. Corey Feldman. Yeah, absolutely. Shia's up there because just Shia. We kind of more respect Shia because he's just weird. Yeah. Do you think if you reached out to, like, a Franco or a Shia, like, you could... Like, if you literally just wrote, like, all of a sudden, all right, I'm going to do a quick rewrite, literally write this for him. Like, I can shoot him in one day and get Shia in and out. I think, I think that that's the key, what you just said there. It's like, the thing is, if you present it to someone, like, look, one day. Huh. One day. Because, you know, everything's about scheduling and stuff <clears> like that. I only need one day. You yeah. know, and that one day, you know, it's going to be like two days before, they're going to be like, oh, he can't do it that day. Yeah. Yeah. But you have to be flexible enough that whatever it is, you can go, okay, Shia Flex Day. This is what Shia Flex <laughs> Day. What... Well, I found the title There's of our podcast. <laughs> it's Shia Flex Day. There it is. Better write that down yep. so I don't forget it. As soon Shia... as I said it, I'm like, there it is. There it is. Uh, but Shia Flex Day would be like, yeah. <laughs> you can see, like, that's on the call sheet. Yeah. Shia Flex Day. Uh, it could be today. Yeah. Could be tomorrow. Yeah. Could be next week. We don't know. Um, whenever that is, whenever yeah. he probably just shows up, yeah. that's when you shoot him. Yeah. You know, um, I totally think both of them can be can be had. I guess Shia more now, just because of the whole art project, where yeah. he's his game to really just do. If he's if he's game to watch. To film him watching him in movies and to feed that to people yeah. so that we can watch him watching him, um, then uh, I think you know if someone says, "Hey, I got this short," yeah. you know, I here's the script. You know, uh, I would love to him to do like a cameo yeah. uh, role one day. That's it. Commit to only one day. I will work around yep. his schedule. Work, yeah. I'll go wherever he is within the continental United States because then all of a sudden you're out. Yeah. Shit done. Because all of a sudden he's like, oh, I'm in Iceland looking at lights. Oh, shit. I'm not going yeah, yeah. Iceland <laughs> exactly. to get this one thing because then I have to rewrite what we're doing. But like with you said, I think you said yours is a costume thing. I bet yeah. he would be down with a costume thing. No, totally. And I, and I would write a role – for him and I would write something that's something that he thinks was cool enough and weird enough but something that can also fit in the story um, where he can go oh that that might be interesting and cool. if you've ever seen him like I've seen 
I'd say almost all his films. Um, he's like Nick Cage level for me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he's not, unlike Nick Cage, you watch for the train wreck. Yeah. Shia, like, he's like on a level of like a, I think he's above like an Elijah Wood, but both can give you, like, if you wanted an emotional scene, he'll give that to you. Like, if you want a crazy, he'd give that to you. Like, if you could have something that yeah, is like almost true. your centerpiece, like, it doesn't hinge on it, but he is like an emotional piece for that episode. He'd, like, he'd probably even roll a tear if you wanted him to. And it's like, I want this passionate speech from him. You would get a passionate speech from him. Yeah, I think he's, you know, he's dialed in. He'd be definitely dialed in and on board. So, like, if you had, like, a meaty monologue for him, and he, I bet he would just be, oh, shit. Like, you're not using him. Look, I have Shia. He's in a top hat. Yeah. It's, no, yes, he's in that outfit, but look at the meaty like it's almost like i want four of my characters basically to portray this i'm gonna make it one meaty monologue for him that would give me everything i needed yeah he would just bring it no i i I totally you know i you know i'm not i don't question his skill as an actor and i think that yes definitely he'll bring the uh um whatever you know emotions are, are asked of him uh you know, just watching him and even though this was years ago in the Project Greenlight yeah, yeah. Uh, movie, you know, he was definitely wanted to do it and wanted it to be mm-hmm. what it was. And I think that he's still there. Yeah. But I also think that he's outside of acting, you know, he's in love with the whole, you know, rebel actor yeah. persona and trying to, you know, you know, he's, he's outside of that. Even he's got some personal issues. I mean, yeah. no one just goes around, you know fighting people and yeah. doing things and being belligerent just cause you know yeah. there's something there but um but he brings whatever that is he brings that into his performance yeah so yeah definitely and i think that you know with a some aggressive um courting you know to his agent i think that it probably could happen um i just think that you know i often actually think about this kind of question and have for years um, about people who I would want in my movies, mm-hmm. not not just Shia. And um, you know, I've talked to uh, certain actors and certain big time actors, mm-hmm. and just sort of threw that out there to them, and they're they're agreeable to it. That's the key. You got to get to the actor. Like it yeah. would ha- it would have to get to Shia, right? Because the agent right now he's Shia LaBeouf. He's not you know. Shia Gruff. That could be an alternate title. Um, <laughs> no. yeah. Hold on, that's title for the next week's episode. <laughs> exactly. You know, he's he's known, so the, the agent's going to be like, oh, no, we, we got to get big money for whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. You know, the agent's like, as soon as he commits to these, you know, uh, avant-garde projects, and the agent's like, oh, really? Like, right, another that... no money. Yeah, outline. exactly. Right, this is fantastic. Exactly. He's like, oh, really? Dude, come on, dude. You got to do a, a Marvel movie or whatever. Yeah. You know, I got a houseboat I want to buy. Um, exactly. But it's like, but if you get to the actor and go, look, I have a project for mm-hmm. you. Great project, great role. It's not going to require a lot of your time. It's going to be able to fit within whatever schedule you have. You know, you know how it is now. Even with the amount of content that's out there now, um, there's still very few roles that actors have where it's like, oh, wow, this is yeah. great. And I'm talking about like, Big time actors who are mm-hmm. like you know, 
once you get over a certain age, you know, the scripts that come in, we were talking about this yesterday, the scripts that come, <laughs> the scripts that come in are just like, oh, I guess that's all I'm getting. I guess I'll have to do it because I have to, you know, pay my mortgage. Yeah. Um, but when you get a role that maybe a smaller movie or whatever, and it's like, this is something that if you put it out there, people can maybe even recognize it. Oh, wow. He's still relevant or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, you can revive your career. I mean, look at, um, Pulp Fiction with Travolta, you know, totally revived his career. He was doing talking baby movies. Yeah. Once again, they were good. Yeah. But, but that put him in the limelight of, Oh my God, I forgot he can act. Exactly. So it's, it's, there's always a market for that. And I think that the independent filmmaker is sort of helped by not only technology, uh, getting smaller and more accessible, but for uh, these sort of roles to be more accessible to these actors where they can say, okay, I can get my, you know, my profile out there and, you know, mix it up, make it more varied, make it more mature. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, you can make something that could go out onto YouTube, could go out onto the internet and become viral and something that you can be proud of to where it's like all of a sudden now the casting directors, now you're on their list. Now, you know, there are EPs, there are producers who are requesting you, you know, and this is how this things happen today. Right. So, um, you know, I know sort of, sort of semi joking about like getting shy, but I think that it's definitely, it definitely can happen. You know, you got to put it, together and pitch yeah. it to them in a way that works for them yeah and is beneficial for him but um you know if i saw you know after putting my guard up if i saw shia in a coffee shop you know not a bar you know not a bar because he'll punch you he will punch you i mean he'll punch uh, you at the coffee shop but it won't be because he's drunk exactly so you'll exactly. know which reason why exactly <laughs> trying not to he's like my what's gonna piss him off you, yeah. you know you just try to like keep all these compliments uh, yeah. to him. But if I saw him, and I had no doubt he would talk to me, yeah, and to say, "Hey, dude, uh, I got this thing. Um, would you do it?" And I told him what it was. I think he would be like, "Yeah, you know, uh, do, should I talk to your agent? Fuck the agent. Yeah, let's do it. You know, I'm right sure now. he'd do it. Oh, <laughs> right. I'm like, uh, uh, where's let me get the in my set? car? Yeah. yeah, where's my trailer? Wait, I'm not. Yeah, <laughs> but <laughs> so in that case, just always keep." A costume and a camera I think, at ready. I think if you see, you need to always keep that ready. And then just in the coffee shop, all right, put this on. Right. Puts it on, you're shooting, and you're like, coffee shop's not the right set, but fuck it, I'll make it work. Exactly. Tend- but, yeah, I think you could just like even reference a film if you watched it. It's like, look, I loved your performance in, I'll pull it up, anything. What is that? Charlie Countryman yeah. or something. You know, it's like, I, that's what made me want to write this part for you. Yeah. Then it might be like, holy shit, I liked Charlie Countryman. No one else did. And then as long as you're not referencing even Stevens, yeah. you know, someone when he was a kid. It's like, <laughs> not, you and even Stevens. I'm not that kid that's anymore. Why doesn't I wrote this adult part for you. Yeah. When um, I saw even Stevens, I knew as an adult I would get this performance. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that's that kid is going to grow up. I'm going to get him into my film and he's going to deliver that emotional monologue. I wrote this 15 years ago. <laughs> My fellow countrymen, yeah. you know. Um, yeah, tangentially, um, quickly, uh, Zemeckis, I remember he said uh, in the, I think it might have been a Back, Future, Back to the Future Q&A, he said, um, 
for the DVD. He said that he, uh, yeah, I was there. He, he said, we saw his movie, his student film, and it was, if you watch his, like, thesis, not thesis, because he went to undergrad, but, like, his, like, project, <laughs> senior project or whatever, if you watch this movie, it is shades of Forrest Gump, mm-hmm. 1941, like you could tell, like there are elements of those movies that he would do in the future. Yeah, in that short, but he shot it on thirty-five, and he said that he he you know it's not it's like nineteen seventies. Yeah, yeah. So it, it was not like now where you you have your phone, you yeah. can pull up your movie on your phone. It was like he had a thirty-five millimeter print. Wow. And he said he would go around Hollywood. With his 35 millimeter print in his car, like in the trunk. And he goes, in case anybody wanted to see it, and he's like, but think about it. He's like, I don't know. How would someone watch a 35 millimeter print? Like, what was I thinking? They were just going to ask. Well, he, I mean, imagine in that time. Yeah. Like, so if you go to, like, say, someone's Hollywood, you probably assume, well, they probably have a 35 projector. They're Hollywood. Yeah. That's how I mean. Probably I even probably thought the same thing. Going well, everyone probably has everything. Yeah. So he probably was like, "Tink tink, here's right. my roll of film. Great. What? How? Yeah. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> like putting on some agent's desk, going, "All right, that, that's my film. Sure." Just holding it up to the yeah. light, unrolling it. I guess this looks exactly. You compose the shots well. It's crazy. I mean, I, and we saw it on thirty-five uh, in the theater at USC, but it was like. Yeah, this is it's actually re- it's really good. You can tell how um I think the reason why he started getting movies because he said that people really recognize his ability to direct so that it could edit well. Oh, okay. And um it did. It cut very well. Um and his directing was was really good. Mm-hmm. So we saw two. We saw The Elevator and we saw his like senior project which mm-hmm. was like there was like a gigantic quantum leap and and skill from wow. one to the other the elevator i remember watching the elevator in uh class in the ta i was like okay here's the meccas here's his student film i know you guys are freaking out over you know your careers and what's going to happen and you know how they say this will calm you mm-hmm. you know so you watch the elevator and you go this is i it's uh, an idea, yeah. But it's not a it's not a film. Like it's mm-hmm. not that good. Mm-hmm. And um, so you go, okay, this is. And we were sort of in the same uh, sort of uh, position where he was in school, like at that time oh, where okay. he made the elevator. So he's like, this is where you guys are, yeah. and this is where he he was, was. Yeah. and it, it, you're about the same. So it's not like you know. He came out off, to, you know, out of the gate, just making, you know, Back to the Future. Yeah. So, um, you know, it's a process, and you have to learn. So, uh, it did calm, it did calm us. But then watching his uh, later f- uh, student film, mm-hmm. you can tell like he really, he really um, made big strides in yeah. his like technique, his talent, um, storytelling, everything. Um, so. It was a good calling card, yeah. but a calling card as a large 35 millimeter print with back of your car, it's like, it's really not going to. But it's do funny much. that he was prepared. Yeah. Like, I'm ready. Who knows? There could have been, like, I mean, it wasn't, but there could have been the story. Ran into a guy, 
producer who had a 35 projector. He saw it and gave me my first job. Holy shit, it works. Yeah, you know, yeah. Like it, it could have, but it was like that. I that such a like a youthful hope, right? Which I think was mostly probably what the story point is: is that he had it in his trunk. Hope no, someone's gonna watch it. Not really thinking the logistics of it. Right. You can't just crack open a 30, especially in that time. Yeah. Like, hey, let's just watch this. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. It's like, oh, you need a screening room and you need this. And it's like, if I'm booking a screening room, like I'm, I should have already watched this. Like yeah. I should have, I should have some sort of interest in you or Steven Spielberg yeah. should have said, Hey, this kid has got something, which, yeah. which kind of happened. But, um, you know, it's not like, Okay, back in the day, I'm going to book a screening room that's being booked for either dailies or yeah. uh, screenings of actual features and stuff yeah. like that. That wasn't, like, something that... Um, yeah, I'm going to watch do. this film students 35, yeah. you know, that just... I guess you can go to, like, the lab and ask them to, like, give you some screening time. And I don't yeah. know if it was free or if you had to, like, pay an hourly rate. Yeah. But you can do that, I guess, and then invite some agent over to watch it there. Yeah, because, like, know. ideally it would have been, like, doing it on a lot because then yeah. they could just walk over. Yeah. How are you getting on a lot? How are you getting yeah, on a lot? Yeah, How are you going to get the screen? How did people see shit back then? Yeah. Because I'm trying to think, like, in the, like, like, 80s, I guess you could get a VHS. Yeah. Like, all right, well, here's... Look, it's a VHS. Remember that. But we think this kid has something. But the seventies, what? what yeah, that's what I'm wanting. I don't. I don't know. Like, how would you watch a reel? Like, oh, did you see that guy's film in the theater? No. Yeah, well, that guy was pretty good. Yeah, <laughs> that was that, it. That was it. That was, was no YouTube. The life to go of to. that. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of crazy. How do people get jobs? Like, how did you have a lot of trust? Yeah. Now exactly. you almost need more material. Yeah. Like I need to see what this kid can do so you can just, like, watch stuff. Then totally. it was just like, I guess that guy said it was good. Yeah, right. I know. I, I don't know how you how you do it other than, like, excuse me, having a film festival screening yeah. of student films and having, which they still have, you yeah. know, of agents or junior agents, really, coming to that film festival and going, hey, I saw yeah. Zemeckis' film. I think you should bring him in for a meeting. Yeah. I mean, I think that's probably how it works um how it worked back then because otherwise yeah what is the life the afterlife of a film after you make it you know if you don't have a 35 millimeter projector yeah that yeah well i remember um we'll wrap up soon uh kevin smith talking about it briefly because he had his festival circuit for clerks Mm -hmm. and he said you know but they had vhs mates because it was 92 yeah and he said he thought you know his career was over you know or he didn't know what else to do. Like, he goes, well, I did it. I made a film, and it made it to the festivals or whatever. And But he goes, he goes, I remember still getting calls at my parents. Like, he was living at home. And, like, he would come home from work and have, hey, so-and-so called. And I was like, that's so mind-boggling. And that's, like, 92. Yeah. Like, you know, you're young. You're living at home. Your mom's like, hey, so-and-so from Miramax called yeah. or whatever. It just <laughs> seems like and yeah. leaving messages going, well, they're 20-something. And they were like, hey, we're requesting a VHS. And then he would mail a vhs and like that even seems right like to me like you think back like if you're talking to kids about that now that's like kids probably be like seems so archaic then you go to zemeckis he had a 35 in his trunk who no one's yeah. watching that <laughs> exactly like, at least with kevin it's like you're mailing a vhs they're gonna have a vhs player it wasn't right. like high end right you know right. everyone had one at that point and that to me just even that seemed like a way like if you're in the 90s and you're in a film it's like films uh, like want to make films like oh at least i can make a vhs it won't represent my film but they can see my work 
you know, like at least they can see the intent of my work. Right. So Mech is driving around in some beater. Yeah, exactly. Like not probably even realizing, you know, the heat is not that, That's what I'm thinking too. I think he sort of mentioned that too. It's not good for the... But like once again, that youthful idealism yeah. of I have it at the ready. I'm, if Shia comes up, yeah. Shia probably has a 35 projection. You know, Shia probably was like, I got you. I, got I only you. watch things on 35. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And he films people watching. Yeah, he's like, oh, I film stuff on Super 8 yeah. to watch my 35s, and then I'll have a Super 8 film festival later. Nice. And I wonder if there's, like, a vault of, like, Super 8, you know. He probably, like, he seems like he either lives with one thing in his house or he has a bunch of weird shit. Yeah. Like, I either picture him just having a bed in the center of a room or, no, I have a projector. I love 35. Yeah. Like, he's, like, a <laughs> film enthusiast or something but only watches certain things. Right. And that Something came up the other day day but probably just do another one or go two hours there was this a uh, video camera that came out in the 70s it was like a sony they called the px something it was part they were started doing film festivals i think it was 77 but it was the old it almost looked like a super 8 but it was attached to a video recorder like it was like your personal entertainment but the way like when you see these photos you're like you don't remember it but you remember seeing photos but it was like a backpack like yeah. over like a like almost a messenger bag and it's like right. record straight to video and it was like probably had to weigh 400 pounds but i guess they still do little film festivals of movies of that time yeah like snippets they found i was like to me that would be cool things to have where it's like i don't know if i need a library of 35 millimeter films or anything but i think i'm always fascinated with like more of what people were doing with weird tech like all of a sudden they got it it's like oh, i can make stuff you know, yeah. just that eagerness to make something like, you know, like the Spielbergs, the Mag- Super 8. It was easy. I can make stuff right, at right. home and stuff like that. And Yeah, Super 8, Super 8 was cool. We started out, um, I think maybe we were the last class to do Super 8 mm-hmm. before they went to digital. But, um, yeah, I remember buying the cameras. Like, we had to do this thing where um, there was a day where the students from the previous semester – would sell their Super 8 cameras to the next students because there oh. were no more Super 8 cameras right. being made. So you had to, like, get it uh, secondhand from yeah. somewhere. Um, they sold Super 8 film in the store, the, the school store, the oh. film, film store. There. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, so we'd buy it from there, black and white or uh, color. And um, we'd make films like we had to make five student films, um, five short films on that. We had the viewer where, you know, you just put the little spool um, on the thing and just like, I mean, it was, you know, a splicer, you know, you do the whole, you know, manual splicer. It was like, it was cool because this was like, wow, I'm making movies, you know, I'm in Hollywood for the first time. Um, But it was, uh, it was one of those things where, you know, you were looking at film, you're feeling film, you had these like trim bins and you had like yeah. the, the film and you put on the gloves and everything. It was just cool. Like it was like an attachment to the golden age sort of, of, of cinema or cinema at yeah. that point. At, so it was in film, it was transitioning to digital though. Um, and uh, that was, that was fun. You know, yeah. it was fun to like go out with a little, camera look like a gun and just like shoot stuff yeah and then you know take it to school they'll send it out to the lab because only a couple labs would do super eight and bring it back and then you get your stuff and like you sort of 
sort of would like sometimes watch dailies in class, mm. but um, you know, there's that day where you would like watch the everyone's films, mm-hmm. you know. Um, you know, we had a certain number of people we would watch every day. Um, and then we'd all write comments and we'd all like discuss it. And that was a like a for me that was a good way of like introducing myself into to film. Yeah. Because it's like the quality of it, the charm of shooting on film, shooting yeah. on Super Eight, yeah. you know, uh this was like non sync. Mm-hmm. So, um there were some cameras that had like crystal sync motor, but those were like expensive for a yeah. student to to get. But it was it was a ama- it was it was an amazing thing because you sort of got to figure out like what story was and economy yeah. and you know shooting on digital you can just shoot and shoot and shoot and shoot and as long as you have the storage you can just shoot and you'll just, get what you yeah. want because you're you're basically shooting everything exactly and you figure it out later in the yeah. edit whereas if you're shooting film uh it's expensive so you gotta like make sure you you know your ratio is as as low as possible but like um when you're editing you know in order if you're using like a physical splicer yeah (laughs) you know you got to make sure that "Eh, do i really want to make this edit so you got to like really think ahead and and really think about things um and i think eh, i heard in film school that it's not it's not like when avid came out you know computer editing it's not like when that came about everything was faster Mm mm-hmm it was about the same time because now you can just redo and redo. Oh, let's try it. Let's try Let's try Let's try Let's try. And that took a lot of time. Yeah. And so the time you took in that was like just trying new things. Whereas when you shoot film, the time taken is like thinking about the cuts and making sure that. Right. Um, Rewatching the this, footage this, and going, well, is this going to be it? Yeah. It's okay, re- I'm cutting. Yeah, because you don't want to reach back into, oh, now i got to reach back into the thing, look at the thing, yeah. okay, and re-splice and splice. The worst thing is taking that one frame out. Yeah. And you're going, okay, then this feels better. And then you go, oh, no, you know what? It feels better if it was like maybe a frame longer. Let me look for that frame. So you got to dig into the trim yeah. bin for that one frame. And so you got to take everything out. Yeah. And it's like, oh, man, you know, it, it's, wow. I mean, those those were the days, like, going back into my friend's apartment, cutting her film. She had, like, a Steenbecker. Wow. Um, and rented, rented one because you couldn't rent it for, like, $2 because yeah. nobody was using them. And just, like going into the trim bin and yeah. trying to like get that and then cutting having mag sound and like yeah. cutting mag as well wow. so cutting both of them together is it's crazy instead of like you know, oh we, now we have sync dailies on a hard drive you know we're just going in hey, just cut and that's it i'm sure if you're talking to like students now like mm-hmm. if you start telling stories because yeah. you're not even that old but right. you start telling these stories they probably think, oh, did you go to school? With yeah. No, this, <laughs> like, like they like, think no. you're a hundred. I know, like, I know. I, as I'm saying this now, I'm like, there's no one under the, you know, it's like they don't even know what no. I'm talking about. Well, and this is even dumb. Like we talked about it last week, terms that are going away. Like I was telling, we're organizing, as we're wrapping our show, we're organizing all our footage. And I was like, I go, I miss the days of the post house having like, you know, we would create a real 99 which yeah. was all our assistant editor was like, I'll nod, but I have no idea what you're talking about. No, real 99 with the stock footage and everything. Said, nope. And he's 28. So it's not like he's 22. Yeah. And even 28 doesn't mean he should know. 
he doesn't know like he doesn't know any of the old ways like he only knows the way he was taught how to yeah. cut and it's kind of weird it's and it's not like fucking kids today they should know what a real 99 is right. no they don't they don't need to know but like he doesn't know a lot of things and it's crazy but he knows how to do his job it's just like these like but that's a term like we were talking about old terms on the last one that you know checking the gate and stuff but real 99 doesn't need to be a term anymore right. like people don't go, hey put it on real 99 i know what you yeah, mean yeah, yeah it's just real 99 was a physical tape that you needed so that was just something that but also that was handed down to us i started a show make sure you start a real 99 what's that oh put all the extra stuff and then you can pull it like you always, that reel will always be there it'll have your main title it'll have stock shots it's like yeah it'll be on your real 99 now you don't everything just sits in the sand like we have a folder yeah folder 99 you know yeah so, and not that he has to know and it's not a term that we're going to use anymore i don't even like i said it once and i think i was just bringing it up it's like hey we're doing like our real 99 and no crickets yeah i was like all right i guess i'll go now and be old <laughs> But that's not even like an old term. I mean, it was just sort of like, yeah. I, just, I was fascinated. It was like, wow, kids today. I know. I was talking to, uh, you know, someone who's like 32. Okay. And uh, we were trying to, just recently, we were just trying to figure out the stock footage, you know, the guidelines. And, yeah. Oh, we need a stock footage drive. You know, a drive with stock footage could be, you know, could be a thumb drive. Yeah. You know, I mean, really. Yeah, it really uh, could be. Yeah. So you go. And she goes, oh, yeah, back, you know, I remember it was called a real 99. And I was like, oh, right. It was called a real 99. <laughs> but I'm like, yeah, but I haven't heard that term in so long. Man. And, you know, just post facility. Hey, you want to put visual effects and uh, main title and stuff on the tape or something? Sure. <laughs> but I don't know if we need because it's on the sand. Yeah. I can always get get it i actually have the original no. uh, main title on my thumb drive or on my computer um, yeah i can create my own now because yeah. i give them the stock footage because they email me a link yeah. i download the actual stock shot yeah give it to them so it's like i have i have it all in my email yeah really, which is that's why i have three thousand emails yeah um so it, it, it is weird yeah before it was just it was a convenience yeah like you would send the stock shot to them they're like okay we'll put it on your real 99 for your next session Oh, yeah. we'll put that. Do we want that? Yeah, we're gonna go back to that. Make sure that's handy. Yeah. So we didn't have to look for anything. And yeah, now it's like, I, I turn over. Okay, it's in all the stock and it's in all the effects with you. So you should have it. You know, by the time you come in, already done. Yeah. What happened? I sent uh, my coordinator to do something. He's like, Oh, they don't have that stock shot. He goes, That's fine. I'll just re-download it because he had the link too. Yeah. And I just, I just re-download it for them. It's like, All right, it's not a scramble anymore. It's like, no. Oh, you don't have it? We'll look for it. Hold on. Oh, there it is. Right. Oh, man. All yeah, right. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's like now it's like I have it like nine different ways. So no. what what don't you have? And I'm like, all right, here it goes. There and, it is. And I have it on four thumb drives. Yeah, for exactly. Some reason. It's like, I know it's Getty something. Yeah. And then I'll give it to you. Yeah. But, all right. Well, on Shia's, uh, what do we call it? Shia's Flex Shia, Day. Shia's, Shia's Flex, Flex Day. Day. All right. You can reach us at Twitter because John and Rob. That was post-apocalyptic. This is Rob. This is John. Take it easy. Oh, 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 oh,